I'm Donica Contour, and this is Naptime Devotionals, episode 76, Stand Still and See the Salvation of the Lord, studying Exodus chapters 14 through 17. Welcome to Naptime Devotionals, a Come Follow Me study for busy moms. I'm your host, Donica Contour. I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm a wife. I'm a mom. I'm a daughter of God, just trying to get home, and I hope that something I say here today will help you on your journey home, too. Alrighty, let's talk about Exodus. Um, so I actually asked my husband the other day, because I was pretty sure, but then I was like, wait a minute, is this right? Exodus is called Exodus because it is the exodus, as in the exit, of the children of Israel from um, Egypt, right? That's, uh, it's Moses writing it all down. So, go figure. Um, I love... The verse that stuck with me probably the most, um, and then we're going to talk about something a little bit different, but the verse that stuck with me probably the most is Exodus chapter 14, verse 14. Um, The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. And I love this because I feel like I've heard the idea of hold your peace um, as P-I-E-C-E, like hold your peace of it. Um... And I like this idea of allowing God to fight our battles and to fight for us, um, but to hold our peace as in P-E-A-C-E, as in like we get to be peaceful regardless of what circumstances are going on around us because we trust God. Um, Jake and I were actually talking, if I sound weird, um, I had a tooth removed on Wednesday and I'm still a little swollen. (laughs) It's Sunday. Um, so I'm sounding a little strange. If I sound like I have a fat lip, it's because I do. (laughs) Um, thanks my dentist. Um, so I love this idea of holding your peace that it doesn't matter what's happening around you it doesn't matter what's happening in your circumstances you are capable or not necessarily you're capable like I don't want to make it sound like you should be peaceful all the time um and that this is like your responsibility to be peaceful all the time but I feel like it's available to you to hold that peace um Jake and I were talking about it the other day and we're reading scriptures with our kids and um we're in the part where Moses um, has just, just talked to God and just been asked to lead the people. And Moses is like, but I am slow of speech. Right. And God tells him, he's like, well, um, who do you think made men's mouths? Like, hello. Um, but Moses is like, I'd still feel better if you'd like send somebody. Um, and so Aaron comes along, right? Um, my three-year-old's currently trying to break into our room. I lock the door. <laughs> so if you can hear some banging back there, that's what that is. Um, and I was talking to Jake and I was like, I wonder, like, I wonder what, what more could Moses have been capable of if he would have leaned more on the Lord? Not necessarily in the sense that he didn't, like, I don't want to say like, well, Moses had been more faithful if he had just, you know, done this more, done that more. Like, I don't, I don't want it to come across as that, but just this idea, like, if he had had more faith in the Lord's power and less belief or less trust in his own doubt, if that makes sense. Like if he had been willing to 
trusts God's power to overcome his own weaknesses, how much more could Moses have done? Does that make sense? Like this, I, my thing is not working. State. Okay. Um, how much more could Moses have done if he had not relied on Aaron? If he had um, trusted that God gave him his slow of speech impediment, so to speak, um, if he had trusted that God had given him this for a reason and like not, I don't know, like, I think, I, I genuinely think there's some things we deal with this in this world because it is a fallen world. And there are other things that we deal with in this world, um, because they're on our path and they're necessary to making us who we need to be, who heavenly father wants us to be. Um, I think about the, the analogy of making a diamond, right? You have this little chunk of coal and it has to be under massive amounts of pressure and heat and time. Like <laughs> the girls asked me the other day, cause they asked me how you make diamonds. And I was like, Oh, with coal, you need heat and pressure and time. Um, and I said, pressure is like, you know, when you push really hard and the girls are like, Oh, well dad could do that. Like his hands push really hard. I'm like, well, it's little more pressure than I think dad can, can make with his hands. They're like, well, how much time does it take? And so I looked it up and it takes like millions of years. And so a diamond isn't something that is made within our lifetime. Um, and I like this idea that our paths, the ones that God has set for us to become these diamonds, um, are, are not, confined to our mortal life. There are things that we have to go through here that are going to be necessary for us. Um, but the way that they fit in are like a tiny piece of the puzzle in the overall puzzle, if that makes sense. Um, the last thing I kind of want to talk about is kind of that's the same concept with <laughs> Moses. You see it with Moses, you see it with um, Laman and Lemuel a lot, but you also see it with the children of Israel and they're a perfect example of why miracles do not create faith, right? We have to have faith first faith. When faith proceeds, I'm not going to say that faith never precedes miracles because I, there's plenty of examples of miracles happening right in front of people that are not faithful, like Laman and Lemuel and the angel are a great example. The angel shows up because of Nephi's faith. Um, but Laman and Lemuel are still there to witness it, right? They witness many miracles, um, with, um, Nephi, but because that faith doesn't exist prior to the miracles, the miracles don't build on anything. There's nothing to build and to be like, wow, I saw this thing. God obviously is real and super powerful because he made this angel come out of nowhere and made me stop hitting my brother with the stick. Um, and I feel like that's true with ch children of Israel as well. They have this series of miracles, right? We have all 10 plagues that happen. Um, and then we have the exit, the exodus, right? Out of, away from Pharaoh, away from the um, servitude and stuff that they were dealing with there, they leave in like the most dramatic way possible. <laughs> they go through the Red Sea. Um, it's described as in chapter four or in chapter 14, verse 22, it's described as the waters were a wall unto, um, unto them on their right hand and on their left hand. So literally like just walls of water, I picture, I mean, just like the movie, right? 
just like this dry path and just walls of water just walking through this Red Sea. Um, and I think that it's important to point out that all of the children of Israel are going through this experience. They're going through this, but it's not necessarily their faith that's making this work. It's the faith of Moses. Because we get murmuring from them, like, chapter 14, and admittedly, we don't know how much time passes between each chapter, right? But chapter 14, we're splitting the Red Sea. Chapter 15, we're complaining because we don't have drinkable water. And then chapter 16, we're complaining because we don't have food. And we miss being with the Pharaoh and with the Egyptians' flesh pots. I'm sorry, I cannot think that I would ever want anything that would come from a flesh pot. I'm assuming it's just like some kind of pot that they put meat in, but still the idea of flesh pots, just like, bleh. Um, but they complain for lack of food and meat. And again, in chapter 17, complaining for lack of water. And for 40 years, God provides for them. And for 40 years, they complain because God's not providing for them, right? Um, and I, we talked about this a little bit in Relief Society today, this idea that God is very aware and very, um, he honors our agency and that he will never force himself upon us in the sense of, um, making us love him, making us follow him, um, making us receive his blessings, whether we want them or not he's not going to be up there and be like oh you're thirsty here's some water he's he is going to wait for us to ask um but i think the way that we ask is also super important are we complaining about Ugh, i don't have any water to drink we just have this sea over here and it's impossible to drink out of it it's so yucky and then you know whining about it or are we like hey heavenly father listen we, this sea is not possible for, it's not safe for us to drink it. Is there a way you can make it safe? Because we know that you have that kind of power, right? Um, and I think that that's, that's a lesson that we can kind of take from the children of Israel. And, um, I mean, it's super easy for me to sit here in my comfortable house with my water on tap and my refrigerator full of food and be like, guys, what are you complaining about? Um, while they're wandering in the wilderness, <laughs> <laughs> a million years ago without so much as a tampon. Um, but um, I think that the lesson here for me personally was trusting God's power over what my perceived weaknesses, over my perceived problems, over the things that I see as challenges and hardship in my life and looking at these things and looking at them and with a way of being like, okay, Heavenly Father, this sea, this, the, the, what is it called? The, I think it was Mara, the Sea of Mara was not, because I think Mara means bitter. Um, this sea is not drinkable, right? I can't, I need water. It's necessary for my life. I need this. How do I turn this not drinkable water into drinkable water? How do I take this challenge, this thing that's making my life so difficult, how do I take this and turn this into something that is not bitter? Um, you know, what's the tree I'm throwing into this essentially, right? And I think that it's not going to not be a challenge. <laughs> we're, we were sent here to grow. We were sent here to be challenged, but we were also sent here to see if we would choose our Heavenly Father. 
And so I think that regardless of the challenges that come up for us, the more that we can turn to our Heavenly Father, and He is a loving Father, and so I genuinely believe that He will accept our murmurs, um, understanding that we're crabby little kids. <laughs> I think about my kids complaining about some of the things that they complain about, and I just go, yeah, that's a bummer, I'm sorry. You know, but until they turn it into a question and ask me how I can help them, um, I don't, I try, I try really hard not to volunteer to solve their problems. Um, and I think that Heavenly Father is very good at that. And I think that it's up to, not to, up to us to solve every single one of our problems. And I think there are some problems that we're, are going to be part of our path for our mortal existence. Um, but I think that how we approach them and how we approach our Heavenly Father um, is a lesson that we can learn from the children of Israel are, do we want to murmur? Do we want to spend that time murmuring? I mean, sometimes, not going to lie, sometimes I want to murmur. When I think about <laughs> the health of my teeth, for example, um, I, I tend to get a little murmury. <laughs> I tend to murmur a lot um, because it feels like it's just one thing after another, just one more thing. Um, but I also realize um, that I think that Heavenly Father has given each of us things, even if it's just something like bad teeth, um, to humble us, to see if we turn to Him. Do we turn away from Him? Do we get mad at Him and turn away? Or do we turn to Him and say, listen, I don't know how bad teeth are going to help me be more humble. I don't know how having bad teeth that are falling out all the time that I need to have this root canal and that pulled and this implant and that bone graft and blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know how all of this is supposed to be for my good, but I trust that you have my best interest at heart. And I trust that this is going to work out somehow, um, and kind of go from there. And I think that that's where real faith lies. Real faith is not knowing what's going to happen not knowing how it's going to turn out, but trusting that Heavenly Father has a plan for you that is so good and so much more wonderful than you could plan for yourself and believing that He has the power to make that plan. And I will talk to you next week.